Welcome into the second episode of the Bushley Podcast, brought to you by Cowboys Ride for Free. The Bushley Podcast is sponsored by BuffettsCandies.com. Go to Buffett's Candies for all of your popcorn, chocolate, and candy needs. This is a big episode. We already have our first guest on the show. We got Kip Smith, former Oklahoma State punter, and we also have a new. Uh, what are we going for here? New new segment. A new segment. There we go. Yep. Yeah, called Against the Seth, where we're going to go into gambling picks for college and NFL f- football. Now let's just get right on into it. Um, what do you do? You have any uh, starting thoughts here? Uh, well, I just kind of wanted to address my uh, little Twitter war with Zach Siner from the weekend, and uh, you know that's not the kind of broadcaster analyst type thing I want you know my my career to be I don't want to be the kind of guy that calls out players and stuff like that and it was just a funny harmless tweet to me uh that's what I thought it was you know just a funny jab but more his Heisman campaign and not his punting abilities but you know that's obviously not how he saw it and and we talked um yesterday and you know we made up and he told me he was sorry you know because he you know, took it in in more of the way where, you know, it was about his punting, and also, you know, he was frustrated because, and the reason I don't want to be the guy that calls out players is because nobody wants to succeed more than that player does, and it, you know, any anybody can sit at home and say, wow, that that punt was bad, but like that player knows it was bad, he hates that it was bad, you know, he wants to succeed more than we want him to succeed, and so I, you know, I thought it was just, it was just a jab at his Heisman campaign more than it was his. Punning, but when he was punting at that elite level, the Heisman campaign was fun, and we were all behind it, and everybody thought it was funny, and you know everybody loved it. And you know he's he's not punting at the elite level this year; he's more your average college punter this year. And um, and I just kind of told him that you know we wish I wish the best for him, and I wish that you know, I hope he kicks for the next twenty years, and I hope that you know he wins the Ray Guy Award. I told him that I hope Greer starts with his heels on the on the goal line every drive this this next weekend and he you know said the same thing to me he's like man you know things got heated I didn't mean for it to be like that uh I was upset you know then you got upset then it kind of took off from there so uh you know that's not who I want to be and I just wanted to you know apologize to anybody if I offended any Zack Steiner fans out there that's not what I wanted to do at all um and so you know that's the last time I will ever tweet anything negative about a player so if you're Looking for those kind of tweets, probably don't follow me or not the you know not look for me. Maybe maybe Joel will throw some stuff in there on the podcast if he wants to, but you're not going to hear any negative things about players' performance from me. And we don't need any freezing cold takes or old player tweets. If you ever make it to the show, we don't need any of that. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, uh, well, let's uh, let's call up Kip Smith and uh, see what he's been up to. What's up, Kip? Oh, uh, not a whole lot. Welcome, old Jansen. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. All right, so started off at UCLA, then you know found found greener pastures at Oklahoma State. Um, so so tell me a little bit about uh, you know your your year at UCLA. Uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people don't even know you started off there. I was lucky enough to get to know you a little bit in that class and. You actually got to do some place kicking there. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, I actually I grew up in uh, Colorado. Um, played soccer my whole life, and um, just started kicking. The team needed a kicker, 
so uh, went from there. Um, became a pretty big prospect, I guess. Um, chose to go to UCLA. You know, nice weather, kicking balls out there. Um, <laughs> it was a good time. Uh, New Heisel recruited me out there. And uh, Moore came in. I ended up tearing my quadricep off my bone, kicking field goals. Man. In the second game. Um, new coach came in. They just said, hey, we don't want you anymore. We don't got a scholarship for you anymore. So went back home, reevaluated everything. Um, and OSU, I was fortunate enough, they let me walk on there. And uh, wasn't as good at kicking field goals as I used to be. Uh, so I figured out punting uh, kind of on the fly when I got there. And uh, that's kind of how kind of how it went, kind of how it started out there. Man, that, that's... You know, that's unfortunate. I mean, what, what were you doing when you tore? Were you just kicking or? Yeah, I mean, as a kicker, I mean, you never really uh, experience any injuries per se. Um, so I kind of got, you know, my leg was getting sore. Uh, but we were two games into the season. And I'm just like, man, you know, I guess this is what it feels like being an adult. or I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so I go kick an extra point. Uh, to start off practice, and man, just it's like my legs got shot by lightning. I was like, man, that hurt. Um, then I realized I couldn't really bend it. I was like, well, this this is probably a little bit bigger than I thought. Um, go in, they tell me I got a torn quad. Um, get an MRI a couple weeks later, and they say, yeah, you uh, tore your quadricep off of basically top of where your hip attaches. Uh, about an inch or so. So that's kind of when I knew I'd be out for a while. Man. Oh, my God. I, I can't imagine that. Like, that, that hurt me just sitting here right now. <laughs> Man. <laughs> so, let, you know, let's talk a little bit about your Oklahoma State career. That's what everybody, you know, listening in wants to know. Uh, you had 100 – I don't know how much of this you actually know. Did some research. You had 160 total punts. You ended up finishing, up, you know, above the the forty the forty average mark for the punter, which is you know kind of like the for the pitchers out there is like finishing below a three ERA, like that's pretty much makes you good, uh, you know, finishing above the forty. So I bet you were pumped about that. Um, oh yeah, career long seventy one yard absolute tank do for you, the brand. Yeah, do you remember who that was against? Yeah, I remember. Uh, we we're playing West Virginia. And uh, I think I, I, I think that punt wasn't very good. I think it was like a forty-yard punt, but the guy didn't catch it, so it got a nice little roll. I said, "Hey, I'll take it. I mean, <laughs> I'll take it when I can get it." Yeah, for, um, for sure. But uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was a fun career. It was short. I mean, I wish uh, those NCAA rules were a little bit different because I had to sit out a year for transferring. Um, so that wasn't too much fun, but uh, it was a fun time. Uh, my first year, I kind of picked up, like I said, picked up punting on the fly. Um, hadn't really done it a whole lot, so I kind of had to teach myself that first year. And then my last year, kind of buckled down and kind of figured out what I was doing. And so had you, uh, had you ever held before? Because it sounds like you, you know, started kicking in high school from playing soccer. And then, so was that something you also had to learn? Because you were the placeholder here, right? Yeah, that was uh, 
that was kind of weird uh, going in because I wanted to kick field goals, but Gundy had told me, he said, after Quinn had graduated, he said, we're not going to have someone do all three again. So I kind of knew when Grogan was coming in, they wanted him to do field goals. So I started holding, but I was I was on the depth chart. I, would, I wasn't even on the depth chart, actually. I was about third or fourth string holder. Wow. And then uh, we have a lot of free time on our hands, so I practiced it uh, for old Benny boy. <laughs> but uh, going into my senior year, it was uh, Jake Hubenack was the starting holder, and then Richard Legal was the backup holder, and then they had Dax Garman as the third string holder. And then uh, two of those guys ended up transferring that summer and then Dax was kind of competing for the job. So the first day of training camp, they said, hey, you're going to be our holder this year. So I had to practice it even more then. So kind of just fell into that one and uh, kept getting after it. Man, and so and I might be wrong. My memory might might be wrong on this. But I seem to remember you kind of saved Bedlam because I, I, I feel like – I don't know why I feel like this. I might be totally wrong, and you can just tell me I'm wrong. But uh, it, it was either the field goal, or the, it was either the extra point to send it to overtime, or the field goal that won it in overtime. But one of those was a low snap that you kind of handled pretty well and put it down there for old, for old Ben Grogan. Yeah, it was uh, it was the extra point to tie it up. So we were on the sideline thinking, man, this game's over. <laughs> uh, we're about to have a little Christmas break, no bowl game, it's going to be kind of weird. Uh, and then Tyreek busts that punt, and I think it just caught us all by surprise. We have to run out there. The snap was a little low in the dirt. I grab it, think to myself, man, I could go run and be a hero. And then I realized, probably not that fast, probably not going to get around let Let Ben do his job, and knocked it through man that's awesome yeah because i because we because me and a couple of my buddies that were in that that class with you you know we knew you and uh you know we always rooted for you a little extra hard and then we saw that and we told everybody we met after that kip kip smith saved bedlam don't let anybody tell you tyreek was the hero kip handled yeah, that man. bad snap and put I'll that thing down there that. <laughs> so yeah, we who's we tyreek? Who's tyreek? yeah we we thank you holder. We thank you. We thank you for 2014 Bedlam and that bowl game. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of Tyreek, what was that like having to punt to him every day in practice? Did you have to do that, or did you ever have to? Ta- I mean, I'm sure you guys didn't go full out tackle Tyreek Hill in practice, but uh, well, speaking of tackling, I, I saw you had a tackle too on your yeah. on your college stats. Yeah. Um, I think there's falling on a guy. <laughs> they gave it to you. Never had to make any open field tackles, but um, usually if I was making tackles on punt, I was usually pretty mad because my net average was going down. So I probably took it out on old boy returning it. Yeah, I bet. But uh, to Tyreek was uh, it was fun. Believe it or not, he uh, when he first came to OSU, I didn't know anything about him. I knew he was just this junior college kid that was fast and he would always hit me up saying hey uh when are you guys going to punt i'm gonna go catch some and we'd punt all the time and 
I swear, the first time we went and punted, I probably punted 70 balls, and he caught maybe five of them. He was absolutely terrible. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He couldn't catch anything. He was catching over his head. He was bouncing off his chest. I mean, it was terrible. I'm sitting there like, man, this kid's terrible. Like, who is this kid? Like, get him out of here. But need someone to shag balls. I'll take it whenever I can get it. Um, and then we he, he worked at it. And I'd like to take all credit for him uh, <laughs> being, the, being the returner he is now because some of those windy days – He'd get some. He'd get some bad punts. He'd get some good punts. So I'd like to think I've given him every punt he could possibly see. Shanks, left, right, um, good punts. I mean, I feel like I'll take all credit for it. Man, that's awesome. Then, so like, yeah, he, then he, he's, he's a little fast too. So yeah, I mean, but, you, uh, you heard it here first. Kip Smith gets all the credit for 2014 Bedlam and Tyree Kill's NFL career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, so you know, going on a little bit, you uh, after Oklahoma State, you got you know a little free agent deal with the Eagles. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, tell us how that was. How was it? How was it being in camp with those guys and kind of you know preseason and seeing how they operated? It was. It was fun. It was a really good experience. Um, I went in there competing for the job with uh, Donnie Jones. Um, he's a good punter. He taught me a whole lot. Um, but the kicker, um, I, me and him go way back. We're good buddies. Cody Parkey, he's on the Dolphins now. He ended up hurting his groin in the second preseason game and in a field goal going into halftime. And they just had me punting out there, punting and holding. They didn't have me kicking off or anything. Um, so we come out for halftime in the second preseason game, and they said, hey, uh, Parky's down. You're going to kick all the field goals, kickoffs, and punts uh, in the second half. So I had to figure out how to kick field goals again. <laughs> in the I span just love that. Two minutes. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is, uh, this is a little weird. Um, so knocked a couple field goals through. They weren't, they weren't the prettiest, but – Never missed a field goal in preseason. I went four for four. Dang. Um, hey, makes a make. That's all that matters. Doesn't matter how it goes yeah, through what, as long as it goes that's through. That's what I'm saying. I was kind of mad they changed that extra point rule because I think I was like six of ten on extra points, though. Oh, yeah. That's it, was a... A little bit, it was a little bit further back than I remember. Yeah. Well, what is that about? <laughs> like, let's make it interesting. <laughs> yeah, make this a, you know. I wasn't a fan of it. Jeez. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you, you, you wrap things up with the Eagles and then – uh, did you play for you played for Brooklyn for a little bit? Yeah, Brooklyn. The uh, that same you're with the uh, Cyclones, right? Right, right. Yeah, that's that's where we practiced and played at. Really, old uh, MCU Park. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool park. Uh, I was disappointed though. Every time I went there, that Nathan's right outside was always closed. Oh man, it wasn't that good. You didn't miss anything. Yeah, I was. I, I see it on TV every year. Joey Chestnut, pounding them back. Uh, wanted to get some, but uh, that league was, it came and went. It was it was a developmental league, but I think it only lasted about two or three weeks. Um, so I was out there for about a month, I'd like to say, and then came back to Stillwater and, and worked out. Um, had some workouts with some teams, 
um, and just haven't been able to catch on with anyone. Um, but still getting some Canadian workouts, so who, who knows what the future holds, but I'm pretty content with life right now. Yeah, I mean, you sounds like you got, what do you got going right now? You got like a WWE type thing going, right? Yeah, uh, I was chasing that dream for a while. Um, it was something I grew up always, uh, always liking. Um, pro wrestling was always, I don't know, I guess I never grew out of it. But uh, I had a connection at OSU. Um, Jerry Briscoe, he, uh, he's in the WWE Hall of Fame. He wrestled at OSU. And he knew I was a big wrestling fan and talked to him a little bit. And he said, hey, if you or anyone uh, for the Cowboys ever want a tryout with the WWE, you know, let me know. So I let him know the next day. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> bring it on. So they flew me out to uh, Orlando at their WWE Performance Center. And I'm hyped up, ready to go. I'm probably the smallest guy there. I mean, these guys are <laughs> huge. I don't know anything. They put me in that ring, and I start just running the ropes and hitting the mat. After that tryout, I was like, man. It's, this is fun to watch, but yeah, I don't, I don't think this is for me. So, <laughs> tried that, chased it. Uh, just wasn't meant to be, but it was a, it was a fun thing to try out. Uh, something watching as a kid, so that was a fun thing to do. Yeah, sounds like it. I mean, chase as many dreams as you can, right? See which ones you like and which ones stick and which ones don't. Hey, that's what I'm saying. Life's short. Right. All right. Last question from me. I'm sure Joel's got some questions for you, but uh, so you know Mason Rudolph, right? He he was a freshman your your senior year. Um, could you kind of tell that it was a emergence? Um, like, you, could you kind of see the future emergence of him? Was was he like a a presence in practice? You know, because that that's how it is in the baseball field. You know, you see guys they come there like that kid's gonna be good one day. Was that how it was? Was it a, this guy's going to be good one day? Or was the you know, the quarterback situation that year wasn't great? Uh, you had some injuries, and then you know you end up with an inexperienced guy having to take on a giant load and then um, you know, and be, do something he might have not been completely prepared for. Um, right. could, you, could you see Mason in, in practice and starting to gain control of the offense, starting to see, hey, this guy could be a leader, or was he just – one of those quiet freshmen that just kind of went about his business and then got his opportunity and took control of it. I think probably that second part. I mean, he was uh, he was a good dude in the locker room. Um, I think we all kind of thought he was just going to redshirt and then, you know, the next year, you know, compete for the job. Um, watching him practice, you know, he was he was good, but you can tell he was a freshman. Um, I think once. They put him in for that Baylor game. I mean, you could tell. Uh, that was a pretty good Baylor team that year, and he almost brought us back. Um, but you could tell after that Baylor game when they threw him in there, I mean, he didn't look nervous. He didn't look like a freshman at all, and you knew he was going to be good uh, someday. But, man, he turned out to be a pretty good quarterback after all. So, uh, happy for him happy to see uh his success right now and hopefully he uh translates it over to the nfl game 
Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll definitely be interesting to see. You know, you see all these different, you know, analysts and people that know everything, and you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that are really high on them and a lot of guys that aren't. But you know, that's kind of the NFL's perception of our offensive system here. It's those guys don't take snaps under center. Maybe it's a one or a two read option from the quarterback. But I, I think he'll. I think it'll translate for him. I think he'll have a lot of success. Definitely. I'm. Uh, I'm a little biased. I'm hoping to see. Uh... I hope he goes to Arizona because I think that offense would fit him perfectly. Yeah, and they're, they're looking for. I mean, you know, Carson's getting old, and then he just broke his arm. I mean, yeah, that would be a good and fit, that, and he could learn under him for a little couple years, and then thrive yeah, after that, that. That's what I'm hoping. In a perfect world, I'd like to see him there. But I mean, wherever he goes, I mean, he'll definitely be a top ten pick, and uh, he'll start lighting it up. In the NFL, he definitely has an NFL mindset, you know, NFL size, NFL arm. So excited to see him uh, next year to see uh, see when we're watching him on Sundays. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Well, thanks for talking to me, Kev. We'll see what Joel's got for you. Hey, Alrighty. Hey, Kev, how's it going? It's going, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for coming and doing this with us. Um, big thing I want to talk about, obviously, you know, the punting of footballs. Um, Pat McAfee's really done a lot, you know, since he's retired. He's doing the videos on Twitter. He's talking about the brand of punting and some of that. What are your kind of your thoughts on that? That he's kind of bringing that out, you know, so it's not just you know something to go, you know, go to the bathroom or go, you know, to the pantry to go get food during the game to kind of watch what's going on with the kicking and punting. What are your your kind of thoughts on that? Man, I wish I was still playing. That's what my thoughts. <laughs> he, he's over here making punting cool. Um. No, he's uh, Pat's awesome. I mean, I think uh, anyone that kicks a football knows how good Pat is and uh, how much knowledge he knows about kicking and special teams in general. Uh, but it's awesome. Uh, he's really bringing uh, the videos to light, and uh, he's got good analysis. Um, he definitely knows what he's talking about. Pat's awesome. All right, so in the same line, talking about the brand, who do you think is the best punter right now in the NFL for the brand? Ooh, put me on the spot right there. Um, in the NFL right now, uh, I'd, I'd have to say uh, I'm a big fan of Colquitt at Kansas City. I think uh, he's been around for a while, veteran. Um, it's always good from a punting perspective when you don't see any return punts and I feel like he never it's always either out of bounds 40 something yards or he'll crank a 60 yarder it's fair caught um, so I, I, probably, I, I probably have to say uh, Colquitt over there at the Chiefs all, right, uh, love- all those guys are so good now um, they're all up there yeah, I, I'm from Kansas City, so seeing him punt for as long as he's been, been doing it consistent for consistently forever, so it's been fun to watch for sure. Um, he's a and, legend. Oh, yeah. So which is the better for the brand moment this season? Jake Elliott of the Eagles knocking in the 61-yarder for the win against the Giants, or Jeff Heath coming in for the injured Dan Bailey, a safety, mind you, and knocking in an extra point or a field goal and – kicking the crap out of a kickoff, you know, and uh, didn't get returned past the 15-yard line. Ooh, that's a tough one there. I mean, Jeff Heath going in, 
I watched a little bit of that game. He wasn't even kicking on the sidelines. He was going in there. He said, I don't care. I'm going to knock this thing through. I'm going to pound these kickoffs down there. Well, playing safety, too. So his legs are tired. Um, but, man, Jake Elliott hitting that 60-yarder game winner. I think that was his first or second NFL game. Yeah, he's a rookie. Knocking that Yeah, in. that was – I'd have to give that one to Jake. But, I mean, he's going in there and uh, booting that ball. That was, that was impressive. For sure. Uh, you got anything else, Trey? Or yeah, yeah. So uh, I wanted to ask you a couple things too. Uh, so you know, we have favorite places we went in the Big Twelve, and least favorite road trips for sure. Uh, since you were here two years, you got to experience every everywhere. Um, so what was your favorite place to go? You know, and it can include you know the stadium atmosphere, playing on the road, and also just kind of. Uh, you know, hotels, restaurants, stay, stuff like that. What was your favorite and least favorite road trip in the Big 12? Ooh. Favorite road trip would probably have to be, I mean, I liked going to play at Austin at UT. Um, just because the weather was always pretty nice there. Um, the fans really don't yell at you like West Virginia or Iowa State. Those were good atmospheres. Um, they were wild. Those were fun. Um, but personally, I, I like I like going to UT. Just seeing all the tradition there. Um, punting wise, it was a good place to punt at because good weather, good winds. Um, the worst atmosphere, I'd have to say, is OU. I mean, that was. I hate to bash on them, but I went there twice. Uh, to play that bedlam game and then to go watch a game and that stadium just seems so old compared to every big 12 stadium and all the big 12 stadiums are either newer or renovated the ou stadium seemed old i don't know it's just i was expecting more with all the tradition and they had just come out with that 30 for 30 on bosworth when we went there so i was expecting this place to look amazing or it was just, it was just a weird kind of place. wasn't a huge fan of the OU Stadium. Yeah, well, I think everybody Until will. We won. Yeah, I think everybody will like that answer from you. Uh, yeah. yeah, Texas was my favorite too. It was just you got the giant stadium, you got everything super nice because they have so much money. But then you got the relaxed fans that seemed like they were more worried about yelling at their own players than they were yelling at the at the opposing team. Um, yeah, it, it was real laid back there. Yeah, and it was, it was a laid-back atmosphere, nice atmosphere, and the restaurants down there are awesome. So, um, yeah, and then uh, one last question for you. Uh, so, um, you know, I know I know that you and you and Grogan kind of competed uh, for the job early on. Whenever uh, you know his his whenever he got there and you guys arrived at the same time, um, was it was it early on? Because you know, everybody says, like, the coach talk, right? Like, oh, we, you know, whatever's best for the team and and everything like that. Was it early on, you know, a little bit of, man, like, this guy, like, I just can't stand him, right? He does little things that get on, get on my nerves, and then it kind of developed into a nice relationship where, you know, you guys both found your niche with the team. And I'm sure it was easier when you were full-time punting and holding and and, you know, you had your position and he had his. But when it was in that competition stage, did you guys 
did you guys ever, you know, kind of go at it or, you know, have those like thoughts on the field? Because I know that's how we are, you know, pitching because you're fighting for those four guys that actually pitch and everybody has those, you know, civil, we're in the locker room, we're on the team, be nice to each other. And then it's like, man, like everything that guy does gets to me right now because you're competing with him. So just kind of like explain your relationship with Grogan. If you, you know, I'm sure it ended up no matter what, no matter how it began, I'm sure it ended up an awesome friendship. But, um, you know, explain, you know, kind of go through that with me and then how it was seeing his success, you know, after you left as well. Yeah, you know, definitely it was it was kind of weird because after transferring and everything, all I wanted, I didn't really talk to a whole lot of people. I just wanted just to play. So I was more focused on just kind of myself, and I kind of knew what I needed to do to get my spot. Um, for Grogan, I mean, we didn't talk that much when he first got there. Um, but then uh, once it was kind of clear, I think it was the first week of training camp when he got there, he said, I mean, Gundy just said, he's going to kick field goals for us. You're going to punt kickoff. So it was kind of easy that first week. Um, we kind of had our spots kind of solidified. So then it just went back and forth. Uh, I would just make fun of him all the time. And, <laughs> uh, but he was, a, he was a freshman, so he didn't, he didn't have much to really say back. But the next year he, uh, we'd, uh, we'd get each other pretty good. Um, but we're around each other all the time, especially on special teams. We're always around each other. So, uh, you're kind of forced to be friendly with each other. Um, Ben's a different dude. He does a lot of weird things, but he's, uh, that's my boy. He's, uh, I'm glad I switched over to the punting brand because, man, looking at, looking at it now, I feel like all these kickers are really weird. But uh, <laughs> as, long as, as long as they make the field goals, uh, they, they can do whatever they want. Man, yeah, that's awesome. And then, you know, that, that I think it was 2015 or something like that. He had like those four or five game-winning field goals, and that, that, that was unbelievable. It had to have ice in his veins to do that. Yeah, no, that's uh... – once again, I take all credit for that. I would, uh, I would talk a lot. I would say things to him when he's kicking that nobody else would. Try to rattle him. So when it came to the game, I mean, there's no way anyone could say anything to him to get him off his game. That's the way I've seen it. But uh, no, I'm happy he's got the. Uh, people forget he's got the all-time points record, and he knocked in those game winners. So. Uh, I see a lot of people always kind of bashing him, and that that would always kind of make me mad because he was he was he was a good kicker. Yeah, um, that never made that never made sense to me. He got a bad rap, and it was kind of the same thing as when OU fans were complaining about Landry Jones when he was there. It's like y'all are gonna miss this dude when he's gone. Watch. <laughs> yeah, I think the best uh, Ben Grogan story was um, how I said I'd always kind of make fun of him. And just to mess around, just just dudes being dudes. I think uh, it was the second game. It was like a home game, and he missed the short field goal. I think it was against like Missouri State or one of those teams. He missed a short field goal, and the fans started booing him. So I did like everyone else, and I, I chimed in on the boos to let him know. <laughs> um, but he, he turned it around after that. He thought that was funny, and he – uh. He was a solid kicker, and he, he made the kicks when they counted, that's for sure. 
Yeah, he did. Well, Kip, thanks for coming on with us, man. I had a blast. Uh, you know, you're awesome. I'm glad I got to have that class with you. You're a hilarious dude, and I uh, hope the best. Thanks for having me on. I hope the uh, the Bush League podcast takes off. <laughs> thanks, Kip. Thanks, Kip. Thanks for being our hey, first guest. Have, yeah, thanks. You guys have a good one. You too. That was awesome, man. That was fun. That that guy is. I've never like I've never met him, never talked to him, but that was that was awesome. He's a fun dude. He just seems like this is one of those guys you just want to sit down and just talk to you for hours. Yeah, like I could have got lost and talked to him for like two hours just about what he was doing and his and his career and oh my gosh. But I mean, he, you know, he's a hilarious dude. He he gets into everything. You know, he's punting, he's punting with the Eagles, and he goes and he's still working out with that. And then he says, "Hey, let's." Chase this WWE dream, right? I know. We're, that's one yeah. of those like comes out of left field, but hey, whatever you want to do, that's awesome. That, right. That's one of those like fun stories that even though it may not work out, like that's just like, hey, I can say that I did that. Yeah, so that's why, really cool. Yeah, why not go do that? And then you know, we had it was awesome. You know, he claims he claims responsibility for Tyreek Hill's NFL career and winning Bedlam, winning the Bedlam, snap. and then Grogan's success. Yes. There we go. Hey, he, he was he was only here for a short time, but he was influential, you know, right. for a long time. Right. And I mean, you know, and the fact that he was is such a cool guy and the fact that he's a great punter is just one of those things. It's it's awesome that, you know, you to have to have somebody that's that cool off the field and then that cool and that good on the field. Absolutely. He's he's good for the brand on and off the field. Yeah, he's good for the brand for sure. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about our uh, our picks from last week in college football and in the NFL. Um, my lock of the week, I had Bama dominating, and that's exactly what they did. Um, the only t- touchdown Tennessee scored was the pick six, and that was it. So their offense has gone three consecutive games without scoring. Man. How Butch Jones still has a job is beyond me at that point. Uh, my upset pick, I picked Tulane over South Florida. Tulane covered the spread, but they still lost 38-24. So that, that pick didn't work out, but, you know, what, yeah. whatever. So, so yeah, I thought about that, too. We're going to have to adjust that to being with the, against the spread because it's yes. too much to ask it's super, super dog, dogs yeah. now, to now, win granted, They were an 11.5-point favorite, and they hung with the number 16 team in the nation who's going to get the, right. like, what is it, the Peach Bowl or something like that? Yeah. Okay, who uh, – I don't even remember who my college football lock was. I don't remember either. Yeah, but we'll, this will be more official after this week, but uh, – my super dog was Colorado at Washington State, and they got shut out and embarrassed. And I figured the weather'd be bad. They'd hand the ball to Philip Lindsay eighty times. It'd be a slugfest. Nope, twenty-eight zero. It was bad. I think I turned it off at like the middle of yeah. the second quarter. It was bad. just bad. It was rough. I had uh, Seth from against the Seth. We'll have that later on today. But he messaged me and said, "Nice pick, idiot." <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. But my NFL lock. Saints versus Packers scared me for a while, but the Saints ended up pulling away and taking care of business. And if you remember, I picked Carolina or I picked Chicago over Carolina, and the look that Trey gave me was something of "Wow, you are an idiot." <laughs> Turns out Chicago won seventeen to three. Doesn't matter that the two touchdowns were defensive. Who cares? I, my pick was right, and I look like a genius. That's all that matters at this point. Yeah, Trubisky threw the ball four times. That he threw game. it. It was seven. <laughs> he completed it four times. Whatever. That's a pretty good completion percentage. Man, that's so bad. Hey, whatever gets you the W, it doesn't matter. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. 
right, so let's go into the World Series now. Game one was tonight. It was Kershaw, Keuchel. This is going to be a knockdown dragout series, I think. But Kershaw absolutely dominated tonight. Seven innings, three hits, one run, 11 strikeouts. Um, Dodgers won three to one. Big home run from Chris Taylor to start off the game. First pitch. And then um, and then Justin Turner went yard in six, three one, and that seemed to be ball game. Kershaw was absolutely dealing at that point. And then you go to Jansen in the ninth, and it's game over right there. So I, Dodgers clearly have the advantage right now, obviously up one nothing, but I think that was like a momentum killing game and definitely a momentum shifter in the series. And now they uh, yeah, Rich Hill tomorrow, uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, what do you have? Like, what thoughts do you have on game one? Uh, you know, I thought Kershaw dominated. Uh, good for him. You know, he has he's had to face that his whole career where. Um, you know, everybody says, oh, he chokes in the postseason, you know, all this, all that nonsense. In reality, he's had two bad starts that skew his numbers. And the other time he's been basically dominant in the postseason. Um, the Dodgers, the Dodgers lineup, there's no hole in it. Um, same with the Astros. It's two great lineups going against each other. You know, both teams have two elite starting pitchers. The other guys are, you know, Rich Hill can have a good day. McCullers can have a good day. Charlie Morton could have a good day. Um, you know, it, 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 and it's stuff like that. But the, the Dodgers bullpen is just so much stronger than the Astros bullpen. And speaking of stronger, if you want to get stronger, go to Next Generation Fitness in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's ran by my dad himself. And if you go to the gym, well, you can visit the website nextgenerationfitness.com I'm pretty sure that's what it is if it's not just google next generation fitness Tulsa and it'll pull it up and if you go in okay check this offer out that we have from the Bush League podcast only if you go in and you mention that you heard this advertisement from Bush League podcast you get a free muscle milk when you come in and your first workout is free on them so that is an awesome deal. You go into Next Generation Fitness and you go in and say, hey, I heard this on the Bush League podcast and they will give you a free workout that day to test and see if you like the gym. And then they'll also give you a free muscle milk when you're finished. The gym has members ranging from 13 years old to 72 years old, all doing the same workout, but it's scaled to their ability. So it will be scaled to your ability it's a workout-based gym where you're on a program with, with, with personal trainers. Everybody does the same workout, but it's on your ability, so you're never going to feel like you are at a disadvantage to anybody. And their slogan is, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start to be great. So start being great tomorrow. Go down to Next Generation Fitness. Tell them we sent you. Get a free workout and a free muscle milk. Look at that second episode on the podcast. We're already getting discounts for our listeners. Look at that. We're we're moving up in the world. Right I know. There. We take care of you guys. Absolutely. But so I, I really think this series is going to go seven. I think the offenses are good on both sides. I think the pitching's good on both sides. So what something's got to give there. I part of me wants the Astros to win because they went through three or four years of just absolute futility. Three one hundred loss seasons in a row. Another one that had ninety five losses. They got all those first round picks and they were able to just build their farm system. Now they're all here and they're incredible. With Altuve and Correa, Bregman, you got Keuchel, you know, McCullers, all these guys coming up through the system, and they figured out a way to win at the major league level, just like the Royals did a few years ago. Then you have the Astros that or the Dodgers that have been able to kind of in a way buy a championship, but they also have an incredible farm system too. 
So they, it's just two different ways that teams have been able to make themselves elite and get them to the World Series. So part of me wants the Astros to win because as a Royals fan, I like the build from the farm system, build from within, and get everyone to win that way. But I just think the Dodgers are the better team. I, I really think so. And I think the Dodgers will win in seven. I think they'll win it back home um, with the guy maybe like Kershaw throwing game seven or a guy like Darvish throwing game seven. Um, I, Houston has a good bullpen. I think the Dodgers is just better. And if the Dodgers have a lead going into the seventh inning, it's game over. And I, I don't trust Davinsky and Giles and you know guys like that like I did early on in the season. I think they've regressed and faded. But Kenley Jansen isn't going to. I, I don't see him throwing a dud in the in a crucial postseason game. He's been too good for too long to do that. See, and the reasons that you mentioned that the Astros should win are the exact reasons that I hate the Astros and hope they lose. Because the Dodgers built this team the right way. So we, you look at the guys that they have, and you know you say the Dodgers you know went out and they're buying a championship. Well, they have Bellinger, farm system guy. I, I mentioned yeah. that they, they have the young yeah. guys as well. They they did it. They pretty much did it the anti-Yankees way. Like the, yeah, they have the two hundred sixty-five million dollar payroll, but they also made some small trades and they drafted well. So they they have these the veterans in there that you can give the big contracts to, but then you also have them helping out with the young guys. So it's the right combination. Right, but their veterans that they have that they're giving the big contracts to came up with the Dodgers. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, Justin Turner, big contract now, but when the Dodgers got him, he was the utility guy from the Mets. You know, Kershaw came up with the Dodgers, huge contract. I mean, that's that's half their payroll. It's right there. And, you know, Corey Seager, Dodger guy, Puig, Dodger guy, big payroll, like... You know, all these guys are Dodger guys that they have developed. And I I don't agree with tanking. I think it's terrible. I think it's a bad move. I think you should – I don't see how you can be a competitive human and go out there and lose games with the intention of bettering your team later on. So you you're know? saying is you don't trust the process. No, I don't. I mean, there's one thing. If you try your best to be, to be good and you're just bad, right? The Nets. The Nets are not tanking. The Nets had terrible draft, terrible trades, right? The Nets can't win. They're not tanking. They just can't win. And you know that they're not tanking because it doesn't matter if they have a first-round pick because it goes to the Celtics, now the Cavs. Like, so that team's not tanking. They're trying their hardest, which I can appreciate that. Watching the Astros for three years. That was painful. It really was. Unbelievable. It wasn't fair to those fans. Like, I mean, I'm sure they'll trade it now because they have this World Series, but... You know, you look there, it's a, you know... wonder how many of those people were actually fans three years right. ago. Right. I mean, nobody. I, it was it was brutal. And they're, they're losing games literally on purpose. You know, they're looking in September, their owners are mad when they win a baseball game. That shouldn't happen. It's like the Indians manager from Major League, or the Indian yeah. owner from Major League. She's mad when they're winning because she's trying to move the team. Shout, shout out to, uh, speaking of lo- winning uh, games that you shouldn't in September, shout out to Pablo Sandoval for hitting a walk-off home run in the last game of the season, costing the Giants the number one pick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you, I I don't agree with tanking. I think the Astros deserve to get to the World Series for three straight years and lose in the in the World Series three straight years, and then have those guys sign with other teams, and then back to back to tanking for the Astros because that's apparently their motto. Um, I don't agree with it, so that's just my little spiel on tanking and that I, I I'm all for the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers win this series in five or six. I. I don't know. With, with the way Kershaw pitched tonight, obviously, that was my pick before tonight, but now that, I'm like, do I go four? Like, yeah. I think it's going to be five or six. Yeah, I think with Verlander going tomorrow, I think the Astros pull out, were able to pull out that one. I think Rich Hill's going to throw a good game, but, I mean, when Verlander's on, he's on. It's just like Kershaw. 
And he's been just – Verlander's been another level this postseason. I think he goes out and throws similar game to Kershaw. I think he goes seven innings, shutout ball. Like, I mean, he's just been on, on another planet right now. So I, th- I think he goes out, and I think they win game two. And then once the sh- series shifts back, I mean, if it's tied at one, I mean, anything can happen in Houston, especially with, for those three games. But I think I think Darvin I think I think it'll almost alternate games. But I think I think the Astros could conceivably they could go up three two, going back to L A. But then you have then you probably have Kershaw and Darvish for six and seven, and that's game over. And see, I. I... Everything I've heard, everybody's this this series is going seven, right? This series is going six or seven. I just don't feel that. I I I feel that it's going to be a four or five. I don't even see this series going six. I really don't. Okay. I think that the Dodgers are so good in the bullpen, and the Astros are young. They, you know, the Dodgers are young too, but the Astros. Are, this is the World Series. I mean, it's the Astros, right? It's the Lastros, the Disastros. They're not supposed to be there. And you know, it's it, it's one of the, it's like the Cubs, right? The Cubs in 2015, they weren't ready. That they this, run this into this might be that year. They run into the Mets, like they're not ready. Think about the Astros' path to this World Series. You play the Red Sox, who have holes everywhere, right? They're so depleted in the bullpen. They're so depleted when they're starting pitching. Their lineups depleted. Then they get a, then they get the break of a lifetime and play the Yankees instead of the Indians. And, and so with the Yankees, you face a, their ace is inconsistent. Then you face Tanaka, who's been bad all year, then gets good. Then you face 75-year-old CC Sabathia, and they struggled. They, they took them to seven games. That Yankees team is a wild-card team, like, by every definition of it. That's not a playoff team. There's holes everywhere in there. The Astros got to play the beat-up Red Sox, the super young Yankees to get to the World Series. The Dodgers had to play the Diamondbacks, who do not have a hole in that team. That lineup is no. stacked. Their their rotation's a little weak, but their bullpen is Dodgers kind of caught lightning in a bottle in that series. I really thought the Diamondbacks were going to take it to them in that series. I, I did not see the, the Dodgers getting out of that one. And then the Dodgers have to face the Cubs, who have the most talented roster in baseball. but And then just throttled them in five games. But for some reason forgets to pay anyone in the bullpen which won in the World Series last year. So, I mean, the Dodgers have had to go through Diamondbacks and Cubs, two two tough series to get there, and they have obliterated everybody. I just think the Dodgers are a wrecking crew and that they're not going to put up with anything the Astros are going to have, and it's just going to they're going to run right through them. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about the Astros and the Yankees, like that's going to be the American League Championship Series about the next four or five years. Like Those teams are set up to be, both of them can be dynasties, truly. Yeah, and you think about that, but you think in, what, 20, 2015, that's what we said Cubs-Mets, right? right? It was going to be Cubs versus Mets for how long? You know, Harvey, Cindergaard, DeGrom. Wait, Harvey still plays baseball? Yeah, and then next thing you know, Mets are hurt. You know, everybody's hurt. Then they can't hit, and then, then since they can't hit, and their guys are hurt, they're not very good. But then watch out, right? Because now the Mets are getting those draft picks. So yeah. they're going to start getting higher and higher on the draft picks because people are getting hurt, people can't hit, and then, whoa, people start hitting. Pitchers come back. Now the draft picks are up there. Yep. And then that's, that is when you, that's, what the, that's what happened in L.A. Yeah. Flashback to April when I picked the Mets to win the NL East. <laughs> Tough I, I, went, I went back and looked as my one, a couple of my friends and I we just sent that to at the beginning of the year like all the standings and the uh, 
you know, the M- MVP, Cy Young, all that. And I look back and I went, I am so stupid and I know nothing about <laughs> sports because I picked the Giants to win the West, the NL West. They're the second pick in the draft. And then the Mets could, they, I don't know what they're doing in their weight room or whatever. I mean, what are they doing with all these injuries? It's so bad. I mean, it's just, it, it, it just, it's bad. It's just, it's not anything that they're doing or anything they're not doing. It's the fact that pitching is, it, it's unpredictable. Yeah. You know, but, you're, you're doing something that's unnatural for the arm. And it, injuries happen all the time. And it just so happened that their top guys get hurt. And it's unfortunate. It happens everywhere. doesn't really happen on the same team. But it's not, you know, being there, speaking from experience, it's nothing that they're doing wrong. It's just things have not gone well. Yeah. And, I don't, and there's nothing they can change. It's just, hey, this guy threw a fastball and his arm blew up. I yeah, mean, the, the one that I didn't understand was Noah Syndergaard. Like the lat strain, like that was from him lifting too much. He's just saying he wanted to throw harder. Dude, you throw 99 with a 93-mile-an-hour <laughs> slide piece. Like, we get it. You but, hey, if you're not striving to be better, what are you doing, right? Okay, throwing 99. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, let's talk about we'll – t- let's talk a little bit about OSU-Texas from this last weekend. Oh, my God. And then let's preview the little West Virginia game a little bit. Okay, sounds good. And then good. we'll get some picks going after that. Well, I'm pretty sure the Oklahoma State-Texas game, that could be its own podcast because there was so many different things, storylines we could talk about there. Bottom line, I'm pretty sure that game took at least three to four years off my life because I, I just, it was bad. It really was. It was probably the worst win I've ever watched with Oklahoma State. But conversely, it was the best defensive game I've ever watched Oklahoma State play. So there were some positives to take away from it, but man, that, that was scary. The fact that the offense only scored 13 points. Yeah, and, and, my, and my thought behind it is everybody's freaking out on Twitter all game. Throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. I was like, they have eight guys like there's there's what three guys in the box? Yeah, they're rushing three down linemen. They took they stuck Malik Jefferson, who is the best linebacker in the Big Twelve, maybe in the country, at the middle linebacker read and run pass. Everybody else is like, dude, throw it, like yeah. go for it. And then those three guys, but our offensive line, which you know is was good, it was going to be good this year, and then you know Injuries people get happen. hurt. Injuries everywhere. You can't predict it. And then you have unfair situations where you have really young guys that are inexperienced in there when they're not supposed to be, yeah. right? Those guys are supposed to be on the sideline watching those older guys, developing their minds, developing in practice, and all of a sudden, boom, they're in there against Texas in front of 15 million people watching on TV. Like, yeah. you know, those guys are thinking a million thoughts. And now they're telling them, hey, I know you're young and you've never played in this type of environment before, but guess what? We're running the ball 50 times today because they're dropping eight guys back in a coverage. Yeah. And... And then, so I didn't agree with the run, pass the ball on Twitter thing, right? Yeah. Because you, you couldn't. There's yeah. What are you going to do? They to dropped me, To they, me, at times, it almost felt like force balance. Like, because I've talked about that. I talked about that on the two minute drill, and I talked about that, you know, with my dad when we were watching the game. It felt like at times, like, if the if they're going to give you both the run and the pass, and yes, then to have a good mix. But it just felt like at times they were trying to run the ball when they didn't need to, and it was like beating your head into a wall, trying to you know, just hope that we're going to get through, you know, eight, ten, nine, eight, nine, ten yards. And we were getting two to three, and it just didn't work, you know, at times. So if they're going to drop eight back, then great, run a slant. You know, if they're going to give you eight yards on the outside, five yard hook. I mean, just nickel and dime them, just break their will on a fourteen play pass drive down the field. If they're going to give you that then you have to adjust to that. And that's something that they didn't do. And that's something Mike Gunny and Mike Yersich have been very good about, at least this season, is adjusting to what the defense is giving them. They absolutely did not. 
and that that's terrible. If you're going to try and win a conference and you can't adjust in-game, you're not going to do anything. Yeah, but you have to think. also have to think about Mason Rudolph's strengths. What are his strengths? You know, it's deep balls. It's, yeah. it's hitting guys on deep posts, deep outs. His strengths have never been hit the guy on the five-yard slant, hit the yeah. guy on the button hook, hit the guy here. You know, that that's not how – that's not his most comfortable throw. He no, makes the throws – but it's not his most comfortable throw that he makes. And that's what worries me moving forward is if teams continue to play back like they are, you know, how one-dimensional does our offense become? If they take away the deep ball, then what do we do? I'm not too worried about it because I I think that Texas is the only team that can do that against us because it takes a special athlete at middle linebacker to be able to do that defense successfully. Their corners weren't too bad either. I mean, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from the Texas defense. They did their job. But it's just concerning with how lethal the offense is that they couldn't adjust. Yeah. That, that was what was worrisome to me, at least. Yeah, the way that the way that Texas ran their defense completely relies on their middle linebacker having so much responsibility that those there's three guys defending the run. Like those defensive linemen are not even thinking pass rush; they're no. thinking we're defending the run. That middle linebacker has to realize immediately when they're running the ball, and yep. he has to go up there. And Malik Jefferson is the only guy in the Big Twelve that can do what he did that day mm-hmm. on Saturday. And I think that's why you saw TCU run the same defense. You're going to see West Virginia do the same thing Saturday. That's their base defense. They run that every weekend no matter who they're playing. They rush three, drop eight every weekend no matter who it is. So they're definitely going to do it against us. And it's given us problems in the past. Yeah, so that's what you're hoping they're practicing this week is just throwing, hey, slant, hook, whatever. And that also uh, goes with Rudolph's health. He admitted after the game he had a foot or ankle injury. It was minor and he was able to play. But you want to wonder how much that's going to affect him, how much that affected him in-game. And how much it's going to affect him this week and moving forward. Right. I want to see first drive of the West Virginia game. I want to see us line up two tight ends with a fullback and just see what happens. Right. Just, go, just goes. I mean, we pretty much transferred into the Big Ten last week, so we might as well just go full Big Ten, two tight ends, fullback, and just go. Right. Have you seen Michigan State's formation, the Maryland Eye? That's what we the, need to run. Two yeah. fullbacks, two. Two Cowboys. Get Finafe Uwaki and yep. Keenan Brown in there and just go. Two fullbacks, two tight ends. Let's go. That's what they do. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. But maybe we should do that. Throw a little wrinkle in West Virginia this weekend. Um, but they're going to run it. I mean, they're going to run. They're going to rush three and they're going to drop eight. And that's what they're going to do on third downs. That's what and they're going to do. They them apart that's at what, times last yeah. week. And, that, and West Virginia doesn't have the athletes that. Texas does, and that and that's and Texas is, allows them to make that play that coverage because they have those athletes. I mean, thank goodness our defense played the way that they did. That was incredible. I mean, I for a, like as I've been an Oklahoma State fan my whole life, so I've never watched a really elite defense with Oklahoma State. Like even that 2011 team, they weren't fantastic, but they were just able to take away the ball. This team can do that, but they also can stop you yeah. when at, just at will. It feels like. But that speed, sideline to sideline, the linebackers and the safeties have, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Even at the, the edge rushers in Walter Scheid and Brailford and Jarrell Owens, they can get after you. And when you have that pass rush in the Big 12, that's extremely important, especially against a pocket passer like Will Greer. He's not going to run around like Ellinger, kid, yeah. Ellinger did. And even then, we pretty much held Ellinger in check for the majority of the game. Yeah, I mean, I think Ellinger was a little banged up before the game started. He didn't play like we've seen him play. I don't know how much of that was our defense and throwing different looks at him because Glenn Spencer likes to do a lot of exotic looks that people don't notice. You know, they just think that, mm-hmm. okay, no big deal. But you look at those TCU third down plays, we're like, we'll have two corners like on the end, like the end, and then both of them will drop back. And then like, mm-hmm. he throws a lot of looks at people. Um, yeah, the, the Texas the Texas 
offense was going nowhere. Um, and that's another thing. Everybody was freaking out about how we didn't uh, – what was it? We didn't push uh, at the end of the first half, right? Yeah. So we just ran the ball. It's like, okay, what are you going to do? You have – like, Gundy sees Texas offense, knows they're not going anywhere. Why would I risk, you know, they're, they're dropping eight guys. You know, Mason's an amazing quarterback. There's eight guys out there. I yeah. mean, there's a chance he doesn't see somebody. Who, who knows what could happen? Right. But why give Texas yards and points that they're not going to get? Yeah. The only reason they scored is because the guy— Because A.J. Green couldn't shove a guy out of right. si- uh, on the sideline hard enough. Right, that's the only reason— and I think they, he stepped out about four or five times. Yeah, I almost wish he would have scored on that just so they would review it. Yeah, that's the only reason they scored. Uh and so, you know, Gundy sees that. He sees, okay, Glenn's got this thing on lockdown today. They have no chance. Why would I give them the ball here when I can just punt, give it to them on the 30, 20, whatever, and make them earn it? And, you know, then they'll punt back to us and we'll try again, you know? And so I think that was a lot to do with the conservative play calling was their offense is so bad, don't give them anything. Yeah. I just hope this isn't going to be a recurring theme because you can't do that against a high, you know, West Virginia's offense is solid. I mean, they, they are, and then OU the week after. Like you can't give, you can't just give it to them back. You you can't be conservative in those games. There's a there's a balance. I understand being conservative at times because you don't want to turn the ball over. But you also at times you got to take a shot and just be aggressive. And I think they they just need to find a right balance because there are times when we've seen too aggressive play calling, and there are times when we've seen too conservative like we saw this past week. So I think they if they can find that balance, then I think they'll be okay. Yeah, I think so too. Because you can't play like that against OU. They'll come in and beat us by four touchdowns. Yeah, and that and that's what we've seen in the past. You know yeah. that we've seen conservative play. Because it's like it seemed like at times it was the we're playing to not lose. We're not playing to win. Yeah, it, it's, it seemed like that at times when you're you know run 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 punt like I don't know it felt it didn't feel it didn't feel like an Oklahoma State game. It really didn't, and that was kind of the bizarre thing when I'm watching. It's like this doesn't feel like a game that I from the team that I've been watching since I was a kid. Yeah. It was just it was very weird, but the bottom line is that they won, and that's all that matters. Yeah, I feel like we'll find out a lot about this team this weekend. I think that this weekend and the Texas Tech weekend are the two most important weekends of this season so far. Mm-hmm. It's the you know the Tech weekend is the you know what are you made of? You know you had all the hype, you lost. What's going to happen now? Right. They came through. It's another scary game, but they came through. You know, this weekend is a challenge for the offense. You know, the offense had all the hype. They, you know, get shut down a little bit. What happens now? And right. you're going to see the same defense. What are you going to do? You know, your sitch, yeah. you know, what's what's going to change? What's going to be different? I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. The one guy that impressed me the most this weekend was Calvin Bundage. Oh, my goodness. He is a one-man wrecking crew. When he comes in, it's like, get out of the way because he's just going to run you over. Now, on that play... And I would encourage anyone to go back and find the gif of Calvin Bundage coming in, knocking over 6'4", 250, running back Chris Warren, knocking back five yards on his butt to go and get to Ellinger. He was dropped back at safety. And once he saw student body right, he took off full speed and then knocked him over. It, it was unreal. If he can act, if he can kind of rein it in a little bit and become a more polished linebacker, he's going to be absolutely incredible. Yeah, he is. I mean... I love watching him and Trey Flowers just wreck people. Oh my right? goodness, it's it's incredible to watch. And then I love watching Ramon. the 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 way Ramon reads screens is unreal. I mean, I, I've been saying it at least since the first couple of games. Once we saw him move to safety, he shouldn't move to safety after his sophomore year. I mean, he, this is some of the best football he's ever played, and he's been an incredible athlete. He just could not cover someone one on one. 
But the fact that he's able to move to safety and diagnose plays, he's the best open field tackler we have. Yeah. And he's and he's the smallest guy on that defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I mean, he's working himself into, you know, he, he's going to get a look by somebody oh, absolutely. at the next level. Absolutely. I mean, as a, even as like a nickel corner or something. Yeah, his his brain on defense is, is unbelievable. He diagnoses plays faster than anybody I've ever seen yeah. in the safety position. His interceptions, he just seems to be right place, right time. Yeah. Every single time. When I watched Ellinger throw that ball, I, my heart just sunk because I thought there was someone just wide open the way he lofted it. And then I look, and Ramon catches it, and it took me about 10 seconds to process what happens. I'm like, there's no way we just won that game. Yeah, well, I, I tweeted because I was, on my, I was on my way to the bridal show with my fiancé, and I'm streaming the game on my phone. And she gets updates, you know, from ESPN, like, sends her final scores. And so I'm, I'm watching on my phone, and, you know, it's, like, a little behind because it's a stream. And I was scared either you were going to text me when, like, the final happened, and I was going to, like, see it. and like, oh, no. Well, I hear like on her phone, and she looks down. She goes <gasps> and gasps, and oh, she's an OU no. fan, and she's an OU fan. So she gasped like happy gasp, and like oh they lost. And then he takes a snap, rolls rolls out, and rolls way back. And so I'm like oh somebody left their guy. Yeah. And then he throws it up. I'm like oh no. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking I can't believe we lost. This season's a wash. Like there goes the playoff. And then nobody's there except Ramon. And I was like. Oh, but it made it that much better that he caught that, right? Because she did that. But yeah, that that added a little unneeded stress to that. Yeah, I I think my hairline moved back a little bit more. I think I found a couple gray hairs, and I'm 20, so that's not a good sign. If I if I'm you know if I'm not bald or have gray hair by the time I graduate, you know, next year, then I think I'll be fine. <laughs> All right, let's let's do a little uh, let's do a little college football picks. Let's get Seth on the phone. Um, we're going to start a new little segment for you guys called Against the Seth. Uh, I've got a friend I went to school with here, and he's just like the dude when it comes to who you got winning this week. Um, I don't know how many of you guys gamble, do anything like that. We don't condone it, but yeah. this is how we would do it. Yeah, definitely would. If 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 you if you were doing it, listen to Seth, but we're going to try to beat him. Um, you know, don't do this at home. Because Seth is Seth will make you look bad. I just accidentally called a completely random number. Um, let's see. Let's get Seth on the phone. See who he's got for us this week. Hey. Hey, Seth. You're live on the Bush League podcast. Okay. <laughs> All right, so where are you at right now? I'm in Peoria, Arizona, standing outside of the Seattle Mariners spring training facility. Hey, go Mariners. Yeah, go Mariners. Uh, tip, typical against the Seth, what were you up to tonight? Uh, just at a bar watching World Series Game 1. What do you think about that? Me and Joel disagree pretty hard on uh, who's going to win the World Series. Really? So I want to hear what your take is. Okay, well... Most people, they're, they're pretty conservative with their takes. They'll, they'll pick six or seven games. I'm, uh, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm not feeling that. It, this is going to be a short one. I'm, I'm going Dodgers sweeping the series. Wow. <laughs> I wow. Just, yeah, I said Dodgers in five. I said Dodgers in six or, or Dodgers in five or less. Okay. I'm, I'm going Dodgers in seven. I think that the pitching on both sides is solid. I think the offenses on both sides are solid. So something's got to give, and I, I think it'll go the distance, but I think the Dodgers' bullpen is what's going to win in the series. Well, 
the Astros, you know, their bats just went cold at the wrong time. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I know they got Justin Verlander tomorrow, but the Dodgers countering with Rich Hill, who would be an ace for like 20 teams, which is surprising since it's, you know, 2017 and, and <laughs> it's Rich Hill. And it's not Indy Throw, Ball. Throwing 86 or 87. It just flips yeah, it up there and it works. A two-pitch mix and he's just dominating. So... I'm glad you agree with me. That's why. That's why you're a groomsman. <laughs> yes. Now, the, the only the, the only thing that surprised me about this game was in the top of the ninth, with I believe it was George Springer up. I believe he left the inning. It was a one-two count, and they zoomed in on Kinley Jansen, and he shook off three times. What does Kinley Jansen yeah. have to shake off? <laughs> well, he throws a cutter every time. <laughs> he throws cutter, and don't they just set up middle? I mean, I know that's um, what they did last year. They just said cutter, and they just set up middle for him. Last year they would just set up up in middle, but to tonight it was it was a fair amount of, of low and away or up and away. Okay, yeah. Well, he, I mean, that, I wonder if the number is just like the delivery that he does because he'll he'll vary his delivery and like his hesitation or quick pitch or how he does it, but he's doing the same pitch every time. So I don't understand why. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I suppose that could be it, but the, the catcher, you know, he has plenty of time to react to whatever timing he uses. Absolutely. So. I, I want to think that you would actually sit back there and call that. Yeah. Okay, so how do we want to do this? I'm thinking I'm thinking we go all the games, you know, pick pick the spread, right? Like, we're not picking straight-up games. Because right. that's not what we care about here. We care about gambling. Even though we don't condone it, that's right. what we care about. Right. Okay. Now, I, I believe that the reason why I am the moderator for this is because I am the only person that Trey knows that actually gambles. And so that's why he picked me. It's not because I'm good at it, but because I'm the only person that he knows. Sounds about right. No, it's because yeah. you're good at it. Because you bet on the national anthem that won Super Bowl, and who, I don't remember who it was, but they sang the, the final verse twice and got you the dub. Yep, I do remember that. <laughs> okay, okay, so, so we'll, uh, we'll go and start with Thursday night game, Stanford at Oregon State. Yeah, I... What, what's the spread on this one? I mean, I think St- Stanford's got to cover pretty easily here. I mean, Oregon State's yeah. terrible. Stanford's on the road, but they're, they're 21 and a half point favorites. Dang, that, that, 21 and a half? I, th- I think they'll cover that. Oregon State's not good. They're really not. They haven't been good for a while. And right. they've been getting demolished by everybody this year. Like, they played, uh, I think it was Minnesota in week two, and Minnesota beat them by throwing the ball seven times, and they beat them by like four touchdowns. Okay, that I did not know. That's hilarious. Yeah, I mean it was. I mean it was like a rainy game. There, I mean it was pouring the whole game, and Minnesota threw the ball seven or eight times, and they won by you know a wide margin. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Stanford. Okay, now the only counterpoint I have to that is that it is a Thursday night game, and whenever a team has to travel on a weeknight, usually the games will be at least a little bit closer. Uh, however, I am also picking Stanford. So we'll move on to Friday night, Tulane at Memphis. Memphis, 11, 11 point favors. 11? Yep. Uh, oh, man, Tulane took South Florida the ropes for there for a little while. But I think Riley Ferguson, can that dude can sling it. You know, I I think it'll be close for a little while, but I think Memphis will pull away with a late touchdown. I'll take him to cover. Okay. Yeah, I've got, right. Mem- I've got, I've got Memphis. I, I feel like Riley Ferguson's like a trash can version of Baker Mayfield. And... He kind of torched Tulane after the first quarter, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with that. Okay, well, we're all in agreement so far on the first two picks. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, real great stuff. 
Um, Wisconsin, 26-point favorites at Illinois to start Saturday mornings. Oh, man. Go Illini. See, yeah, part of me wants the Illini to win, but they're again, they're a very bad team. And I thought that Maryland would at least keep it close with Wisconsin, and they didn't. They did not. So maybe Wisconsin's better than we've we've thought they are. I don't think they are. So I think Maryland what, is that bad now. What's, what's, the, what's the spread on this one? 26. Oh, that's too many points. I'll, I'll take Illinois plus 26, but Wisconsin should still win by at least two touchdowns. All right, well, we're, we're all three for three now. Wait. I pick Wisconsin to cover. Oh, you picked, you picked Wisconsin to cover. I'm sorry, I thought you said Illinois. Yeah, I said go Illini. I want them to win, but oh, okay. they're bad. Okay. I, I just think that's too many points. Even though Wisconsin's yeah. still pretty solid and Maryland's not – or in, uh, not Maryland, Illinois's not that good, I, I think that – I think Wisconsin's still in pretty handily, but that's too many points for me. Yeah, it, I, I looked at Illinois. They're, they're really not as bad as their record suggests. Uh, they've had, you know, they're at least keeping the games respectable, 14 to 20 points, which, you know, isn't great, but that covers the spread, so that's that's what matters here. Right. Uh, so we'll move on. Miami, 20-and-a-half-point favorites at North Carolina. I don't care it's on the road. Miami's solid, and UNC is 1-7. and seven. And they have they have no quarterback situation. They they just are. I've watched them play, and it's just it's not good. I'll pick Miami. Yep. I haven't I haven't watched North Carolina play this year. Um, I have watched Miami play, and I'm actually just now going to change my pick. I had Miami winning, but then remembered that Fedora's at UNC, and he's an Oklahoma State guy, and that's what we're about here. So okay. I'm going to go with North Carolina to, you know, hopefully lose by 19. Okay. Uh, Miami, their next two games are against ranked teams. So I think they're actually going to be looking ahead a little bit. And North Carolina is, is that trap game. So I'm, I'm still going to say Miami wins. But North Carolina, they're going to keep it within one or two possessions there. So Dang. North Carolina is my pick. All right. Anytime I'm with Seth, that's a good pick for me. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> do, do, do we want to do we want to get to Oklahoma State now, or do we want to wait for the end? Or? Yeah, we'll save that for the end. That'll be like the the Corso headgear. Okay, I'll I'll go ahead and wait on Penn State and Ohio State too, since that's kind of the main event this week. Yeah, uh, we'll move on to the SEC, which is terrible. Georgia fourteen and a half point favorites at Florida. I don't care, Georgia. <laughs> that is, I mean, or Florida's offense is just anemic. I, I don't see them putting up a lot of points. Georgia's defense is good. Jake Fromm still, you know, he's coming into his own. I, I think Georgia wins by two touchdowns easily, if not more. I think Georgia's too one-dimensional on offense. Florida's defense is too good. I think Georgia wins, but I don't think they win by two touchdowns. Wow, okay. I'm, I'm going Florida on that one. Uh, Florida is just downright terrible. And Georgia, Georgia's actually, they seem kind of legit, but... Trey, like you said, I, I think they're also kind of one-dimensional, but I, Florida is just tough to pick for. So you got you you have Florida with fourteen. I'm, I'm taking I'm taking Georgia to cover. I'm taking Georgia. All right. Okay, number four TCU, a touchdown favorite against. I never thought I'd say this, but number twenty-five Iowa State. <laughs> How awesome I, is that? That is incredible. They absolutely deserve it too. Yeah, they do. They should be six and one, but they blew that game against Iowa. Yep. This was my this was my upset pick. I'm taking Iowa State, and I think Iowa State wins outright. It's it's okay. in Ames. Weird things happen there. 
TCU, I still just don't believe in Kenny Hill as a quarterback. I, I don't care how good he's been this year. He has never been a consistent quarterback for an entire season. I think this is the trap game. My only issue with this is that now that if they beat TCU and OU, that worries me even more going to Ames in a couple weeks. Exactly. Yep. Let's see, I I think that this is a terrible matchup for Iowa State. I just think that um, they finally got ranked, and I was so happy for them, and I was really hoping that they were playing Baylor this week, and they're just they're not. They're playing TCU, and Iowa State's strength is their defense, and. You know, they run the same base defense West Virginia does, the same base thing that Texas did against Oklahoma State, where it's, we're not going to give up the big play. They did they did it to Baker Mayfield. They rushed three, dropped eight, and he wasn't patient enough to beat him with it. And they're going to either have to completely change their defensive philosophy or they're going to get torched on screens. And I think that it's a bad matchup for Iowa State. I think that TCU actually kind of houses them because I think that... Uh, TCU's defense is too good. Iowa State doesn't have enough athletes on offense to score on an elite defense. And so I think Iowa State's time in the top 25 is short-lived, unfortunately. Okay. I'm actually going to lean more towards Joel with this one. Um, I'm not picking Iowa State to, to win outright. However, I do think they'll cover the spread. Like you said, weird things happen to names. And so, you know, TCU, they're going to come away with it, but it's, it's going to be close. It's going to be terrifying for TCU fans because they obviously they have a legitimate chance at the national championship this year. Uh, moving on, North Carolina State at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is favored by seven. Now before before we start talking about this game, do you guys remember what happened last year in this game? No, I don't. I didn't pay attention. Was this the rainy hurricane? This was Hurricane Matthew that this was played in. Oh my gosh, it was terrible. The, the final score was 10-3 to in favor of North Carolina State. North Carolina State's only touchdown came on a blocked punt in the fourth quarter. So, obviously, the game was, you know, it, there was no reason to be throwing the ball so much. But for some reason, Chip Kelly, or whoever calls the plays, Brian Kelly. decided it was a good idea to call at least 31 pass plays. I went back and looked at the box score today. Deshaun Kaiser threw 26 passes and got sacked five times. <laughs> he, he also had 10 more rushes outside of the sacks. So, you know, there were more more likely than not, there were at least 50% pass plays in a hurricane. Yeah, not not smart coach. <laughs> yeah, not, 9 for 26 for 54 yards was, this, was Deshaun Kaiser's final pass oh. line. Uh, but for that reason, uh, and, and no reason whatsoever other than Chip Kelly's horrible play calling last year, and it's obviously not the same conditions. I'm thinking NC State anyways, just, just because. I think Notre Dame wins. But I think Ryan Finley and NC State stay in the game. I didn't realize this. I, I saw this earlier today. NC State's quarterback, Ryan Finley, has not thrown a pick yet this year. I think I think NC State wins. I think Notre Dame is another one-dimensional team. They can't throw the ball. But they're so good. On, they're, they're average 361 yards rushing a game, so it's not like they're one-dimensional and they're bad at it. Well, I know so that, they're, they're but... The, they, only the option teams, the academies in Georgia Tech, average more rushing yards a game. I know, but they only run the ball. And it's, at certain points, like, if they get down in a game, what are they going to do? If NC State comes out and punches them in the mouth, what happens then, right? Like, they just run the ball and, and hopefully come back. I think, I think that NC State does come out and punch them in the mouth. I think 
Notre Dame gets down early and they're not able to do their rush, run the ball 60 times a game thing. And I think that they lose and see you later independent school title hopes. So all three, we're going North Carolina state. Yes, but I'm, I think Notre Dame still wins. I think it'll be within a field goal. Okay. Uh, UCLA at Washington. Washington coming off the bye. The week before that, they lost at Arizona State. Uh, Washington in this one is favored by 17. Yeah, neither that's of these too many points. Neither of these teams have impressed me at all. But I'm going to go with UCLA because that's a lot of points. Yeah, that's that's a lot of points. I think Washington still wins, but I think I mean Josh Rosen's no joke at quarterback. I think I think it'll be within 10. Okay, uh, I'm actually going to go with Washington on this one. I was at the Arizona State game. Um, Honestly, their play calling was a lot like Oklahoma State versus Texas. wasn't great. Not many shots down the field like there should have been. And, you know, I, I think they'll rebound from that. They'll be more aggressive this week. And I think they're going to be looking to run up the score and build up some confidence. So I'm taking Washington. All right. Uh, Michigan State minus two at Northwestern. This is probably the most common upset pick of this week. Northwestern to win outright. Yeah, that's going to be uh... – that's going to be a brutal game to watch. I will that, that's not, going to be like the Indiana game, Indiana-Michigan State game this past week. I will not be tuning into that. No. <laughs> I picked Michigan State to win just because, the, honestly, because Northwestern has lost every game I've ever wanted them to win. So I decided to not pick them and want them to win because I knew they would lose if I wanted them to win. So that's my that philosophy. Yeah, I'll go with Michigan State, too. I just don't think Northwestern has it. I think Clayton Thurston's a good quarterback, and I think they're a decent team, but I, I think Michigan State's solid enough to pull out that win. Even though it's minus two, which is pretty much a pick at that point, I'll take Michigan yeah. State. Okay, so we're all in agreement there. Uh, Houston at number 17, South Florida. South Florida is 11-point favorites in this one. Mm, yeah, I've got, I've got South Florida. Anybody that loses to Tulsa... This year, Tulsa is so bad, and Houston somehow lost to Tulsa. So I think that South Florida is actually a good football team, and Houston is not a good football team. Yeah, I'll go I'll go South Florida on this one as well. I think they bounced back after a close game against Tulane last week. I think Quentin Flowers is a, actually a pretty solid quarterback. Um, I, think, I think he'll have a pretty good day. Okay, so we all agree on that one as well. Uh, Houston, they've kind of struggled on the road. Um, they nearly upset Memphis. I think they're going to have a letdown. Uh, Houston also finished third in the AAC West with Tom Herman last year. People forget that. And then he gets hired by Texas. Kind of questionable. <laughs> uh, so first year head coach, uh, after really not a strong finish anyways, I'll, I'll take I'll, I'll take them, you know, on the wrong side of the spread almost every time. Yeah. So we're uh, all in agreement again. Yeah. Uh, Central Florida against Austin P. Unfortunately, there is no line for that. Um, uh, Austin, yeah. However, Austin P. I do want to bring this up. They are five and three this year. After I believe the last three seasons, they only had one win. Wow, good for them. Yeah, they were on a nineteen-game losing streak entering the year, if I remember correctly. Oh my goodness! And they have a winning record. So, God, that sounds like my high school. Um, yeah, I'll take UCF. Their offense is legit. Scott Frost is a heck of a coach. They're they're going to win pretty handily in this one. Yeah, give me yeah. give me UCF and whatever the spread is. Yeah, there's no line right now, so um, unfortunately, that's that's one of those FCS FBS matchups that they're probably not going to bother making a line for. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to leave that one empty. 
Duke at number 13, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech favored by 16. Give me Duke. I think Duke has a decent football team. I think Virginia Tech's overrated. And I think, I, I don't know if Duke wins. I think it's a one-possession football game. Yeah, but I'm, I think I'm with that one as well. I think Virginia Tech's decent, but they're not. We're, I don't think they're worthy of the top 10. Um, I think Duke keeps it close for a little while, but I still think Virginia Tech wins. Yeah, I'm always iffy on Duke football, so I'm going to go with Virginia Tech here at home. <laughs> Georgia Tech, this might be my favorite matchup of the, of the week. Georgia Tech at number 7, Clemson. Clemson, 14.5 point favorites. Bum, bum, bum. This is my super dog. Okay. So, I'm picking Georgia Tech. You know, I know this is super dog, right? And so all we have to do is beat the spread. I'm picking Georgia Tech not only for my super dog, but as my lock. Okay. I think that they beat Clemson straight up. Okay. No points. Just They're just going to beat them. Yeah, I'm taking. I'll take Georgia Tech as well. If Kelly Bryant's not healthy, then that's really concerning for Clemson. But quite frankly, I'm picking Georgia Tech purely because I love option football. So that's what I'll t- I'll take here. Um, what was the spread on this game again? Fourteen and a half. Uh, it's too many. Yeah, Georgia. I think I think Clemson. If Kelly Bryant's healthy, they win this one close. So I'll take I'll take but I'll still take Georgia Tech with the points. Okay, I'm I'm in agreement with you guys. I love the triple option. Uh, I think Georgia Tech's going to take an early lead. Obviously, there's those questions with Brian Kelly. Uh, once Georgia Tech gets up, you know, they're just going to continuously pound the football. Clemson, they're going to get tired. They may not have an answer for them. I would not be surprised if Georgia Tech wins. I'm not going to guarantee that. That is not my lock of the week. Um, <laughs> but I'm also taking Georgia Tech. Uh, Texas Tech at number 10, Oklahoma. Oklahoma favored by 19 and a half. Uh, give me Texas Tech. I don't think uh, I, OU's played a close game against everybody they've played. They they can't pull away from Baylor, Kansas State. They're not going to pull away from Texas Tech. See, I'm I'm going OU because Texas Tech's offense has looked terrible the last week or two, and I I think that this is where the regression for Texas Tech happens every year. They'll start out the year hot, and that's all great, but then they usually fade down the stretch, and I think this is where it continues. They got whooped by Iowa State last week at home on homecoming. And I think that's just completely demoralizing. Okay, Texas Tech, they kind of worry me too because they've been inconsistent lately. But OU's last four games, they won by eight against Baylor. They lost by seven against Iowa State, won by five against Texas, and won by seven against Kansas State. They're not exactly dominating teams that they should be dominating. So I'm going to take Texas Tech. Number 15, Washington State, three-point favorites at Arizona. That's a weird line. Is Arizona how Arizona's not that great there? I mean, they got that quarterback that can run for days, but other than that, I haven't heard too much about them. Um, I think, uh, I mean, they Washington State absolutely crushed Colorado last week. I think they'll bounce back. You know, they'll continue to bounce back this week. I think they win. I got Washington State too, but didn't like Arizona start like zero and two or something terrible, and they've won like six straight or something crazy. I don't, I don't know, but. Uh... Yeah, give me Washington State. I think that they have a good football team. I think that they have they played absolutely their worst game they could against Cal. But I think it's I think it's a really good game out in the desert. But I think Washington State wins. Okay, Trey, I'm not sure if you checked Twitter and saw the video that I sent you. 
Joel, I did not send you the video because you did not follow me back after I hit you with follow today. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, well, let me change that real quick. My bad. Okay. There, there was a video of Kalute last week against Cal where he basically just steps up in the pocket and rolls out to his left and scrambles. And I, I don't remember what the yard was. It was about 75, 80-yard touchdown run. And the whole time, he is just jogging. And Cal, every single defender is right behind him. They're full efforts, all-out sprint. And he's just having fun. And he's still separating himself from the back. The guy's got elite speed. It's absolutely incredible. I'm taking Arizona. He has 780 rushing yards as a quarterback. That's ridiculous. And, and he just started playing week three or week four or something like that. He didn't play the first few games. Well, he had the three. He had the game where he ran for about 330, didn't he, against uh, Colorado? I believe so, yeah. But I'm, I'm taking Arizona here. I, I think they've turned their season around. And they're at home, so... Uh, the final Pac-12 after dark game is USC at Arizona State. USC favored by three. Jeez. Again, that's a weird line. Arizona State's not that great either. I mean, Jeez. they got the win against uh, Washington, but they didn't even look stellar in that one either. Man. What a disaster. That's my, if you actually bet on football, stay away from this game completely is yes. what I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I USC is so unpredictable. I don't think they're any good. Arizona State's definitely not any good, but they beat Washington, who I think is a good football team. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I picked USC to win just because I don't know anything else about Arizona State. Cool. Uh, uh, I'm going to take USC. I, I just don't think – I mean, this is a weird line, but I'll definitely go with USC here. Sure. I, think, I, think, I think they'll bounce back. I'm going the other way. I'm going Arizona State straight up in this game. Okay. Um, I just – I. it's tough to judge both these teams. Arizona State, they've had their ups and downs this year. USC, they showed plenty of signs of being highly overrated, but they've also shown that they're a really good football team. So I don't know what to do with that. Uh, by the way, back to the Washington State Arizona game. Take the over. The line is at sixty-four. Take the over. Oh, take the over, absolutely. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of my locks of the week. Um, and then we'll get to the dog of the week. Actually, no, we got two more games to get to. Uh, Penn State at I. Sorry, at Ohio State. Ohio State favored by six. Uh, give me, give me Penn State. I think I, I I don't know. It's hard to judge Ohio State because they looked so bad against Oklahoma, and then Oklahoma has looked so bad since that game. Um, and Ohio State has just been beating the crap out of every bad team that they play, which for some reason in the national media makes makes them amazing. Um. I mean, good for them. They they found an offense against Indiana and Rutgers. Like, good job. But I, I don't know if they actually have an offense. Nobody knows what they actually play like. And they haven't faced athletes that are the same caliber as them or close since the Oklahoma game. And last time, they looked terrible. I think that's like the, the pick. Everybody's like, oh, Ohio State's going to kill Penn State. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think Penn State wins outright. Yeah, I'll take Penn State outright as well. Saquon Barkley is an absolute freak. And people don't give Trace McSorley enough credit. I think he's a legit quarterback too. I don't think he's, you know, top five, top, even top ten. But he's a sneaky good player. And he leads that offense really well. And he's a good complement to Barkley as well. So I'll take Penn State on the road. I, I think that's going to be a close game. But I think I'll still take Penn State in the points. Okay, but you're taking Penn State to win straight up as well? Yes, I'm taking Penn State straight up. Okay. Uh, we are all in agreement right there. <laughs> I will also take Penn State. 
Uh, I think it's I think it's clear that we, as Oklahoma State fans, we need Penn State to win. Yeah, uh, that kind of yeah. degrades Ohio State's or rather OU's win against over Ohio State, and also knocks Ohio State out of the playoff picture. Right, uh, that kind of clears another way for us. Um, so obviously, final line: Oklahoma State seven and a half point favorites at West Virginia. Um, I think we win. I think seven and a half is too much. I think we win by a field goal or something scarier. Uh, I don't know. I, I think seven and a half is too many points, but I think I think we win. I don't care what time it is. Morgantown's a weird place to play. Um, you know their fans are going to be rowdy. I think it'll be a tough environment. I think Oklahoma State wins, but I'll take West Virginia plus seven and a half. I, I have the score. I have Oklahoma State 34-31. I think it'll be a late field goal. But or you know some you know miraculous touchdown drive, but I I see this one being really close the whole way. Okay, the the cardiac Cowboys obviously they're going to give us another heart attack. Of course, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be nine a.m. here in Phoenix, Arizona for me. <laughs> so that's not going to be so great to wake up to. Um, but I'm I'm actually going to take Oklahoma State. I I think there's going to be something weird at the end of the game. There almost always is whenever you know we play a middle of the pack Big Twelve team. Uh, well, not really middle of the pack, I guess. We have the same conference record. But th- there's going to be something weird there at the end of the game where we get a turnover. It's going to be a bad beat, in my opinion. <laughs> and uh, so I'm, I'm going to take Oklahoma State. So we will move on to the, what do we got? The dog of the week? Yeah, super dog. Super dog? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Already, I already said my super dog. I have, pen, I have uh, Iowa, Iowa State over TCU. Uh, straight up, so that, that's my upset of the week. Okay. And then I've got the Georgia Tech over Clemson. Okay, I dug a little bit deeper, went outside the top 25. Okay. And we're still staying in the Power 5, kind of, I guess. Uh, if you can call Missouri a Power 5 team. Oh, they, maybe. Yeah, but they are at home against UConn, and I know UConn's not good. Neither is Missouri. Uh, for some reason... I, I don't know how you can give 13 points either way in this game. I don't even know how you can come up with the spread for that game. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I, that should just be a pick em. It's It's a terrible game. Nobody's going to tune in. Hopefully, anyways, for the sake of humanity. Uh, I'm going to take UConn to win that game straight up. 13-point dogs at Missouri. Dang, I, I can see that one. Missouri's awful. I mean, Drew Locke's yeah. a good quarterback, but there's no one around him. What schedule is Missouri playing? They played Idaho last week, and then they played UConn? Yeah, Missouri's only wins this year are against Missouri State and Idaho. And both those were blowouts. But aside from that, they don't... Aside from those two games, they haven't scored all year, just about. Jeez, that's terrible. All right, yeah. give us your uh, NFL lock of the week. So I went two, because I didn't really know what we were going for. I didn't know if we were going straight up or against the spread. Okay. So my straight up, it's pretty obvious. Uh, the Eagles at home against the winless 49ers. Yeah, that's my lock. that's know. my lock as well. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't really know I could go any other way with that. Uh, my against the spread, I'm gonna go Texans five and a half point dogs in Seattle. Ooh, I, I think Deshaun Watson he, he's gonna have another big game. I I think they're gonna win outright. Dang. That hurts a little bit. Yeah, I think that that's good. that's gonna be my that's gonna be my favorite game to watch this weekend. I think uh, my lock of the week is um, 
take the Lions. Uh, I think they're, yeah, plus three against Pitt. Or not Pitt, Pittsburgh, the Steelers. I wrote Pitt on my paper, but uh, yeah, take them against the Steelers. I think the Steelers are playing well, but they've got all the turmoil, right? Juju Smith Schuster just lost his bicycle. He's not very happy. Uh, Martavius Bryant's trying to get traded by calling people out on Twitter. And then also, you know, Mike Tomlin had his press conference today that addressed that and looked like uh, Martavius might be getting some spankings. So he was going to be sore. Juju Smith-Schuster's legs will be sore from walking around without a bike. Um, I think that the Lions win and turn their season around. They started off hot. I think they get back on track. Uh, my uh, upset, uh, the Buccaneers, for some reason, are a two-and-a-half-point favor against the Panthers at home. I don't know if that was just because they lost to Chicago. But I'll take the Panthers in that one. The Buccaneers, like they're just struggling right now. Jameis Winston isn't completely healthy. And their backup is Ryan Fitzpatrick, so that's not a good. That's not any sign of hope whatsoever. So I'll take the Panthers' offense in that one. I think I think that one will be close. It'll probably be a field goal battle, but I'll take Carolina. Okay, so back to back to Pittsburgh. They're kind of going through their own struggles. It's kind of an aging team. Um, I I don't really see Pittsburgh having prolonged success over the next few years, and I really don't with anybody in the NFC. Or, I'm sorry, the AFC North. Uh, so my hot take, as I told Trey last week, uh, is that the Browns are going to win the AFC North no later than 2020. So within the next three wow. years, I think the I think the Browns are going to return to the playoffs, winning the AFC North. That how is, many how many quarterbacks will it take for them to finally get there, though? Probably 12. I don't know. <laughs> that is the hottest of hot takes. That wow. only on the Bush League podcast. Do the Browns make the playoffs soon? We talked about that last week, and I don't know if they'll ever be relevant until they get new management or a coach that can, you know, do anything. For right. Them. We said we were going to send them to Mexico. Yeah, that was that was a bad choice of words for the nickname, by the way. <laughs> I know. We had to change that. Yeah, that was a that was a less than ideal uh, situation there on that one. But you know what? We yeah. got through it. Yeah, may may want to learn how to edit the podcast. I don't <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably probably need to try to do that. All right, Seth. Well, thanks for your help. Well, hopefully we have some luck against the Seth this week. Um, if you listen at home, if there's four of you or 400,000 million, I don't know, uh, you could play against the Seth too. Just kind of, you know, go on to this podcast, write down your paper. That's what we do. We don't have a website because we're not cool, so we can't post it anywhere. Uh, well, we could post on Cowboys Ride for free, but I don't know if they're so much into the whole gambling thing. So, uh, yeah, we don't have a website, so just kind of go through the podcast, pause it, do your thing. Write down the picks and uh, see if you can beat Seth, just like we're trying to. Thanks, Seth. We'll talk to you next week. No problem. Hey, one, one last one last thought. Uh, Lions came out for next week a little bit early, uh, just for a few select games. Oklahoma State, one-and-a-half-point favorites for Bethel. Yeah, all right. That's uh, a good start. All right, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. we'll see how, we'll see how that changes after this week. All right, all right good thanks, luck this uh, weekend, Seth. All right, thanks, guys. All right, our first against the Seth segment here so we'll see how our picks go this week i feel pretty good about mine um we'll see how it goes it's always fun to kind of go through and pick games um i'm a poor college student so i'm not putting any money on any of these but um we'll see how my picks go i've been okay this year i've been right around 500 on my picks which isn't too bad considering i've never really thought about it before so yeah i'm excited i've never actually made picks and looked at them so it'll be fun to see how they work out so absolutely uh, do we have any parting thoughts before we uh, head out for this week? 
Uh, my only parting thought is make sure you go buy Next Generation Fitness tomorrow, soon, this week, next week. Stop putting off going to work out. If you don't start now, when are you ever going to start? You know, start that summer body now so it's not too late, right? Go in there, mention that you heard it on the Bush League podcast, get that free workout, get the free muscle milk, and, uh, you know, tell them we sent you. And also, Buffett's Candies. Get on the website, buffettscandies.com. Order the popcorn, man. Everybody's going to love it. Bring it to Thanksgiving. Order so much popcorn. Like, I mean, I lived with Tyler Buffett for two years, and I'll tell you, when he would bring those boxes of popcorn, everybody would come over. We would sit there and watch movies, and it was just, it's caramel corn. They have every flavor you could want. It's absolutely outrageous. Get the popcorn for Thanksgiving. It's going to be the hit of the Thanksgiving. Save yourself some trouble cooking one of the meals and just replace it with popcorn for Thanksgiving. See, you can go to Next Generation Fitness Workout, feel good about yourself, and then you can reward yourself for your workout and go and get some popcorn on BuffettsCandies.com. See, we can connect the two right there. Right. Our two sponsors are very much working against each other, but that's what makes this thing beautiful. Absolutely. All right. Well, this is another episode of the Bush League Podcast, uh, and we will see you all next Tuesday. Have a great one.